The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. At the, door. the Lord my God who goes before me. I want everybody to say that. The Lord my God who goes before me. Actually, that is a phrase that uh, I have not uh, particularly heard before. Uh, It's it's a phrase that I would like us to catch the revelation of in this season. So we're going to go through this the old-fashioned way we will start by what we call Bible readings. You know, that, that is not uh, very common nowadays. Eh? You see, the first reading shall be given by this person. Yeah? Very familiar. Okay? <laughs> what we, do, we don't do it very much that way again. So can I have the readings put up for us? Because I want us to focus on it. I want us to focus on the word. Can I have the readings put up? Um, Deuteronomy 31 from verse 1. Deuteronomy 31 from verse 1. When Moses had finished giving these instructions to all the people of Israel, he said, I am now 120 years old and I am no longer able to lead you. The Lord has told me you will not cross the Jordan River. But the Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy the nations living there. And you will take possession of their land. Joshua will lead you across the river just as the Lord promised. The Lord will destroy the nations living in the land just as he destroyed Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, the Lord will hand over to you the people who live there. And you must deal with them as I have commanded you. So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. Personally means in person. Personally means not delegated to another person. But the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Then Moses called for Joshua. As all Israel watched, he said to him, Be strong and courageous, for you will lead this 
people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors he would give them. Listen, behind that is a promise. The promise that God made to your ancestors. Okay? Do not... Go on, go on, go on, go on, go on, please. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor abandon you. Now let's look at a few lessons from this. The first lesson is that there are times when you had better just know the decisions God had made on a particular matter. When God told Moses, you will not cross over, Moses said three times, I begged God to change this. Hmm? And God said, no, I will not change it. You will not enter. Because of this particular thing that you have done, this particular disobedience, you will not enter. When it was coming towards Gethsemane, and Jesus prayed, he said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Okay? But as he prayed, the more he began to see in the spirit that it would not be possible. So, there are times when the most important thing is for you to know what is God saying or doing about this matter now. And when you know, I think it was Jehoshaphat. God said, uh, start preparing, you're going to die. And the man said, oh, Father, this and this. Before the prophet left the place, he said, go back. I've added 15 years to your life. Huh? You can petition God when he makes certain decisions, but believe you me, it is not up to you what the final decision is. Is that clear? It is not up to you. You will be making a mistake if you think that trying to bully God is faith. No man can bully God. Do you understand? No man can bully God. Faith is believing the promises of God. Faith is working with God to work out his purpose. Faith is not trying to bully God into changing his mind. God is sovereign and he will not negotiate his sovereignty with anybody. Amen. So God said to Moses, you will not cross over. Amen? So, the second lesson 
is that God is so personally involved in our lives that he goes to places in space or time on our behalf because of us and because of our needs. God is so personally involved. Okay? Moses said, the Lord himself will cross over ahead of you. Verse 3. That's geographic. Geographic space. God changes space and location ahead of you because of you because he's personally involved in your matter. Many of us have an imagination that is wrong. That God is um, far away, not caring very much, um, very forgetful, until you now wake him up from sleep. Oh Lord, oh Lord, oh Lord, oh Lord. Then he groans. Ah, yes. He say, I'm still here. <laughs> and that matter is still here. You hear? <laughs> We often think like that. But that's not the way it is. God is very involved in your matter. He will cross over that space. He will go ahead of you. That is time. He will destroy the nations living there. That is specific action. To alter outcomes. Are you hearing me? God takes very specific action. To alter outcomes. Because of you. Very specific action. Okay? Lesson three. What is the result of knowing that God will personally go before you? Why are we discussing this? So if personally go before me, so what? What does, not signi- what does that signify? Okay? It is so that you will not be afraid. You will not panic. You will be assured that he will neither fail you nor abandon you. You find that in verse 4 and it is repeated in verse 8. I'll take verse 8 specifically again. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord God will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will never fail you nor abandon you. So that's the whole import. It's important that you know that for sure so that you will not be afraid. You will not be afraid. You will not be discouraged because God goes ahead of you. Let us repeat the topic of this message again. The Lord my God who goes before me. I want you to say it with me. Say the Lord my God. 
who goes before me. The Lord my God, who goes before me. Amen. I want you to add that to your vocabulary and to your prayers and to your meditation that this reality huh, is a biblical reality that has profound implications if your spirit man catches it. And that is what we are about now. I want your spirit man to catch it. I want your spirit man to catch it. Because the power to create originates from your spirit. And you are made in the image of God. And God is a spirit. Do you understand? Amen. So that was Deuteronomy 31. Generally 1 to 8. And uh, our second lesson. The second reading is taken from Isaiah 45, verses 1 to 4. Can we have them? Isaiah 45, 1 to 4. It is about Cyrus that was a king. I think he was a king of Persia at a time when Israel was in captivity. Much of what I'm reading, I'm taking from the New Living Translation. You know, that's, that's our in-house uh, uh, version. Yes? Okay. So, Cyrus, the Lord's chosen one. You know, when you hear Cyrus, the Lord's chosen one, there's a tendency for you to be slightly jealous of Cyrus. Oh, I wish I was like Cyrus. Ah, yeah, the Lord's chosen one. Who likes the sound of that? Do you like to be the Lord's chosen one? Do you like it? Yeah, the Lord's chosen one. Sounds very nice, yes? Then you feel important, right? Yes. Yes. But Cyrus was the Lord's chosen one, not because of himself. <laughs> Amen. Cyrus was chosen only to be a tool. A tool. A tool of what? For what? We will find that out. Verse 1. This is what the Lord says to Cyrus, his anointed, whose right hand he will empower. Remember, this is the prophet speaking under the unction of the Spirit of God. Cyrus is not involved. Okay? This is what the Lord says to Cyrus, his anointed one. Anointed one. Anointed means empowered by the Spirit of God. Yes? Before him, mighty kings will be paralyzed with fear. Their fortress gates will be opened, never to shut again. This is what the Lord says. I will go before you, Cyrus. And I will level the mountains. I will smash down gates of bronze. And cut through bars of iron. I will give you treasures hidden in the darkness. 
secret riches. I will do this so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, the one who calls you by name. And why have I called you for this walk? Why did I call you by name when you did not know me? It is for the sake of Jacob, my servant, Israel, my chosen one. <laughs> Amen. Ah, Cyrus was just a little tool <laughs> to handle the fact that God was interested in Israel. Israel, that is you. The Israel of today, the spiritual Israel, is you. And what lessons can we learn from this? The first one is that God can choose anyone for any purpose. God can choose anyone for any purpose. Such a choice is sovereign, active, that is not passive. It is deliberate. It is purposeful. It is strategic. Cyrus the king was such a choice. Don't look down on people because they are non-believers. Don't think they are useless. Don't think unbelievers are useless to God or useless to you. Don't think so. Because God made everybody. God made everybody. God can use persons. He can use things. Be extremely careful. God can use anybody for what he wants to do. Then secondly, when God goes before you, he himself will do things which you are incapable of doing by yourself. Amen. And these are some of the reasons why we pray. We pray about things. We pray about events. Because there are things that you cannot do which you are calling God to come in and help you to do. Amen. In this case, what will God do? He will level the mountains. He will smash down gates of bronze. He will cut through bars of iron. So what we're telling you is that human beings may think that the army of Cyrus was great. But what we are hearing here is that God is saying, I will go ahead and do certain things that could not have been done by Cyrus himself because I'm looking beyond Cyrus to Israel. Israel. Amen. Amen. It is Israel's interest that is paramount. And that is the reason why God chose Cyrus. Amen. Amen. It could be a complete unbeliever that God will use to serve the purpose of your destiny. Complete unbeliever. Complete unbeliever. Amen. 
<laughs> I knew a certain person whose spiritual comp composition was terrible. I knew her spiritual composition was terrible. Uh, she, 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 she was a relative. And then something happened in my house and it looked very, very bad. And I prayed that day. I said, Lord, I need your intervention in this thing. You know. Because if you don't intervene, things will scatter today. If you don't intervene, things will scatter today. This terribly negative spiritual person simply walked in to visit and intervened directly and solved all that problem. All that problem. Exactly what I prayed for with the, with the outcome that I was praying for, everything happened and the person God used is almost a sworn enemy of God. Amen. Amen. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. When Jesus was to be sacrificed, the lamb that taketh away the sin of the world. Eh? The hand that held the knife that slaughtered him was the hand of the devil. <laughs> Amen. God used the devil even in working out our salvation. Yes. Yes. The lamb had to be slaughtered. And the lamb had to be innocent. Okay? And the lamb had to be without blemish. The lamb had to be acceptable to God. Who will slaughter an innocent human lamb? I like God to use me for many things. But I don't like him to use me to slaughter an innocent human life. Okay, so the devil is a cheat and wicked. So God used the wickedness of the devil to complete your salvation. <laughs> Amen. God can use anybody to do anything he wants to do. Glory be to God. The third lesson is no matter how much you, you matter so much to God that you are the reason God does so many things. Verse 4. Why have I called you for this work? Why did I call you by name when you didn't know me? It is for the sake of Jacob my servant. Israel, my chosen one. So Sarah was just a tool to work for the primary reason and the beneficiary of the choice of 
Cyrus is you, me, spiritual Israel, because we are God's chosen in Christ. Amen. You know, if you don't know who you are, you will not get the benefits. I don't know whether someone should come and help me with this because it's feeling like it is uh, almost dragging. Okay. Uh, you are assuring me it won't fall, right? Okay. Because he's trying to drag me to this side. <laughs> Amen. Now let's look at the third reading. Deuteronomy 1. From verse 32. But even after all he did, you refused to trust the Lord your God who goes before you looking for the best places to camp. Oh, 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 oh. Our refusal to catch this in the spirit is responsible for so much lack of faith and so much of the things that grieve God's heart. Huh? After all that God did, you refuse to trust the Lord your God who goes before you looking for the best places to camp. Guiding you with a pillar of fire by night, pillar of cloud by day. So I say again, catch this revelation and put yourself in the place of your. The revelation is the Lord my God instead of your God. Okay, so let's take this together. The Lord my God who goes before me looking for the best places to camp. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Looking for the best places to camp. What you are searching for is what God is searching for. Don't you understand? He wants you to camp in good places. The reason he goes before, he is searching. But there you are, you are blaming him. God, do something now. You don't even seem to know anything. Do something. You're not doing anything. But he's gone before. He's searching for the best places to camp because of you. If we understand these things properly, it will be easier for us to walk in faith and to draw down the hand of God for our benefit. Amen. Searching for the best places to camp. Do you know what that means? There are places that are not good for your camping. Amen. There are places that are not good for your camping. He knows what is good. He knows what is right. Let me bring this a bit home to us. 
long, 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 ago. Maybe I didn't say long enough. So, long, 1,000 times ago. Very long ago. Eh? I liked a sister. Oh. Why are you looking at me like that? So I like this sister and I say, Lord, what can somebody be looking for in a wife that is not here? And God said, leave her alone. I, I said, what happened? He said, that's not your wife. I said, ah, that's a small thing. You can change that overnight. Just give her to me now and this matter is over. Uh, can you not do it overnight? Ah, you have faith. <laughs> and he said, no. I said, I said, look, you are going to tell me now that you have somebody somewhere. Uh, I'm not interested in that somebody somewhere. This is the one I want. So you think I'm not spiritual now? I said, this is the one I want. And he said, no. Why he said no? I don't know. But I left the matter. God is not your flesh and blood. God is God. You hear me? Eh, oh, God is God. Uh-huh. He is not your flesh and blood. That was not the right place for me to camp. That was not the right place for me to camp. As far back as 1991, I got a job offer, General Manager Operations, Citibank Liberia, next to the MD, head of all operations. Hey, blah, 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 blah. Man, it was a fantastic offer. My friends were very excited. And I said to God, Father, what says thou? He said, don't touch that job. I said, ah. I, I thought you liked me. <laughs> don't touch that job. He's looking for the right places for you to camp. He knows where you should camp and where you should not camp. So, regrettably, but without hesitation, I simply said, I'm not taking the job. Huh? You're not? No. Huh? Why? I should not take it. Huh? Why? I don't know. I could tell the Christians, God said, don't touch the job. Could I tell my employers? Huh? I tell Citibank New York, the Lord my God, which goeth before me, saith unto me, thou shalt not touch that job. <laughs> they will start looking for a psychiatric hospital <laughs> because they will not understand. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so I turned down the job. Do you know what happened? Six 
months after, war suddenly broke out in Liberia. And the first thing they did was slaughter every Nigerian in sight. That was the first thing they did because they believed that the Nigerian government was taking sides with the part that they didn't want. That was when they slaughtered something or two books of Guardian newspapers. Even Nigerian journalists that went there, they slaughtered. The Citibank estate, where I would have been Lord of the Manor, became a rebel camp. I would have been one of those to be slaughtered first because I would have been one of the most prominent Nigerians. Because Citibank was the foremost bank in Liberia. I would have been the African face of Citibank. He goes before you seeking for the right places for you to camp. Please trust him that he knows what he's doing. When he says don't touch, please don't touch. He doesn't say don't touch because he wants to deprive you. He says not to touch the things that will not pay you. Glory be to God. Amen. And that Liberia thing was very tough because I'd gone there to work a few times. Some of the friends that I made there, if you know what became of them, you will be shocked. One of them who had become a refugee was a head of department. By the time he came, found his way to Nigeria and located Citibank in Nigeria, and came to see me, the security came to me and said that uh, a certain beggar is looking for you. He actually mentioned your name. I said, ah, a certain beggar. is said, ah, a certain beggar. He said, he mentioned my name, saying, ah, bring him. This was a head of department, family man, very well educated, studied in the U.S. The world reduced him to what they saw and they said, a certain beggar. I said, this is not a beggar. This is my friend so-and-so, head of so-and-so in Liberia. God help us. God had gone ahead. He had gone ahead. Amen. Did we take that is our third reading. Lovely. Let us look at the precedent to that reading. Deuteronomy 1.29 But I said unto you, don't be shocked or afraid of them. The Lord is going ahead of you. He will fight for you just as you saw him do in Egypt. That is what Moses said. That is what Joshua said. The people did not believe it. And so they got into trouble. Now, so the final lesson I want you to draw from this is that your fear 
or your faith will happen to you. So you are the one that will now choose. Your fear or your faith will happen to you. So verse 39 of that Deuteronomy 1. I will give the land to your little ones, your innocent children. You were afraid they will be captured, but they will be the ones who occupy it. Joshua and Caleb that believed that God would go before them, that God has gone before them, and therefore they are able to take the land and conquer the inhabitants. They were the people. They were the only people of that generation that entered the promised land. These people had a fear that they will be wiped out and these their children will be wiped out and all that. Those people themselves were wiped out in the wilderness. The wilderness consumed them. But those children who were innocent of their lack of faith, they inherited the land. Amen? Amen. So the fact that God will go before you does not mean you will automatically inherit the land because it depends on you. It depends on you. It depends on you. It doesn't depend on God. It doesn't depend on God. Amen. So we will now check some examples. Let's start with the creation of man. <laughs> Upon this earth and the creation of man, God got here before us. Man is not the idea of man. Man is the idea of God. So God envisioned man from the beginning. He envisioned man. Let us make man. God got here before us. God had a vision what he wanted us to be. Let him have dominion over everything. Not let him flee before a lion. Not let a lion tear him and eat him up. No. That was not part of God's plan. That was not part of God's plan. We are the ones that God's plan. So I want you to learn to understand that God has a higher plan for you. Please don't spoil that plan. Don't spoil it through unbelief. Don't spoil it through unbelief. Don't spoil it through ignorance. What we are going through now, that was not God's original plan for man. We can spoil God's plan for us. That re would really be a terrible thing. Now, the very first warning, God said, don't eat of this one because the day that you eat of it, you will die. Hmm? So God had already gone ahead to see the 
implications and the results of touching these particular trees. Here is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Here is the tree hmm, of life. Don't touch these ones. Why? God saw ahead the negative repercussions of the touching of those things. It was not man that asked for that guidance. God volunteered it. God gave the guidance freely. He was trying to protect man and his future. Then you will say to me, eh, uh, <laughs> why didn't he make those trees inaccessible? Why didn't he make those trees inaccessible to you? Why doesn't he build a mighty fence around them that you cannot? That's a problem. You know why? God has free will. Amen. So God didn't want to steal your free will. He didn't want to steal your free will. He still does not want to steal your free will. More people will go to hell than will go to heaven. That's not the plan of God. But God does not force anybody to go to heaven. No. Amen. Amen. God does not force anybody to be born again. Mm -mm. God does not force anybody to obey him. Okay? You choose. And you will continue to choose. Forever and ever, you will continue to choose. Because you are made the image of God, and God has free will. Your free will never, will never be taken away. Amen? <laughs> you know, the kings in those days, the men that are looking after their wives, they will castrate them so that the men cannot do the thing. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Castrate. Okay, whoever understands, understands. Whoever does not understand, doesn't need to. Okay? So, whether the man is willing or not, or whether the, queen, the king's wife is willing or not, the man has been castrated. <laughs> he can't do anything. So the king's wife is safe with him. Huh? God does not castrate you. No. He doesn't. <laughs> Amen. You will always have the free will. You will always have to choose what you're going to do. Are you going to obey God? Are you not going to obey God? That, that, that's the reason. So the first warning was for the benefit of man. Amen? I'm sorry, I'm so uncomfortable. Let's, please, come and help to do some adjustment, if you can. I'm very uncomfortable. Okay, even the creation of woman is that God visited time and space ahead and realize that it's not for this man to be alone because he was just alone. Okay? 
He was just alone. If God could progressively If God could progressively continue to improve his creation, it shows how you yourself must strive to keep on improving. In your spiritual life, you must keep on improving. Um, um, may God not let all your testimonies be in the past tense. Amen. Uh, <laughs> Because sometimes I say to myself, I say, Father, why are most of my testimonies in the past tense? What happened to present tense? Do you sometimes feel like that too? Uh -uh. What happened to present tense now? Hmm? I told you that one time, whenever I was walking on the street, any mad person doing any kind of thing, right from a distance from me, they will stop everything they are doing and keep very calm until I pass. And then years after, <laughs> and they come home. I know they come home. They continue what they are doing. I said, Father, wait here for now. <laughs> Amen. We must watch it too. You must keep improving. It is not good for the man to be alone. He did something about it. And when he did something about it, he did not force anybody upon the man until the man said, this is now. Then if you now quote that one to disobey God, when God says, this is not your spouse, leave this person alone, you start quoting this one. You're on your own, no? Amen? You know, people can sometimes spiritualize disobedience. Yes. You will lose if you do it. Too. Amen. Then, Amen. You know, God was not alone. Hmm? Even when God wanted to create man, he spoke to somebody, but he spoke to himself. Amen. Because that somebody is himself. Huh? Let us make man in our own image. Father, Talking to Son and Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our own image. That level of union is the companionship that God wanted to create between man and his wife. Do you understand that? Separate, but united. Different but one. So it is our responsibility to work on it, to be achieving that step by step. It is not a natural union. We should have the picture. We should have the correct picture and we should begin to work towards it. Man and his wife are two different people who are trying to become one, who must continue to work at it to become one, and there's an enemy 
that wants to prize them apart. So, it's, it's a battle. It's a war. So, I want you to take some time to sit with your spouse and agree together that your union will begin to increase in oneness of mind and spirit. It will not happen by itself. You have to work on it. Let us make man in our own image. Now, the salvation plan, right from the beginning, God said the seed of the woman will bruise the head of the serpent. He had gone into the future to make a plan for the salvation of man. Listen, God has a plan for your life. Amen. He has a plan for your life. And he reveals that plan stage by stage, step by step. Amen. I left my career a long time ago. I didn't choose to leave it. It was God that said, see what I want you to do next. You're going to have to leave this banking thing. You know what I mean. It's his plan. God planned from the beginning for you to be saved. God planned for you to overcome the world. <laughs> to overcome the devil. God planned for you to prosper. God planned for you to be a saint. Planned for you to be the light of the world. Planned for you to be the salt of the earth. Good plans. Good plans. You have to work with him for that plan. And there are times when you are required to go before God, even before he goes before you. Okay? Um, Matthew 17, 10, the disciples asked Jesus, why do the scribes say Elijah must come first? Sometimes you are the one that will go before God. John the Baptist was the lightning before the thunder. John the Baptist, he was the lightning why do the teachers of religious law insist that Elijah must return before the Messiah comes? Because God had a plan to prepare the heart of Israel for the coming of the Messiah. Because for 300 or 400 years before that, there was no voice of a prophet in Israel. Everywhere was dead. So, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. That wilderness is a twofold wilderness. There's a natural wilderness, which is a desert. There's a spiritual wilderness, which is a total absence of hearing the voice of God for hundreds of years. So John the Baptist broke that wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be brought low. Every valley shall be filled. Look at it. See a valley goes down, 
So you have problems passing because you have to go down, 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 and then come up. So the valley shall be filled. The mountain is like this. When you want to pass, it gives you a great deal of problem to now climb the mountain and then start descending again. The mountain shall be brought low. Sometimes God sends you to people, to a town, to your family, to some places, to go ahead of him because he has a plan of salvation, a plan of recovery for the people that are there. Do you understand? In those times, it is up to you to know. You must know. And then you must go. Amen? In those things, even though God is... And then Jesus once sent his disciples two by two, he to go into every town where he himself was coming. It was to prepare the way. Amen? You are God's preparation for the visitation of God to some people. You are God's preparation. You go before him, he also has gone before you. Amen? Amen. No matter what you do, don't be passive. Don't be inactive spiritually. Jesus said, Occupy till I come. Occupy. Find a department in church. Find a department. Find a ministry. It is better for you to be serving in the wrong place than not to be serving at all. Because while you are serving in the wrong, wrong place, it is still easier for God to reach you and say, no, this is the place I want you to be. Hmm? God does not like idleness. God is never idle. God is never idle. Um, Jesus is now sitting down in heaven, relaxing and enjoying. Is that correct? It's not correct. Ah, uh, what happened? What's he doing? Huh? He's interceding on our behalf. What else is he doing? What else is he doing? In my father's house, I go to do what? To prepare a place for you. Amen. I go to prepare a place for you. What does that mean? Ask him. How is he preparing it? Ask him. Who is he working with in doing this? You. You. You are the one he is working with in preparing a place for you. Amen? Amen. Glory be to God. So I want you to say, the Lord my God, who goes before me, seeking a place of rest for me. The Lord my God, who goes before me. He will destroy the inhabitants of the land on your behalf. He will smash gates of iron. 
opposition. Stop acting as if you are the one that must do everything. That's not that. How many of you have taken your children to secondary school before? Please raise your hand. You took your children to, okay, okay, let's start primary school. How many of you have taken your children to primary school before? Raise up your hand. Raise up your hand. You took them to a school you have never been to. Right? A school you know nothing about, Abby? Is that what you did? Huh? No. You go to look at the school. You go to check up the school. Come on. When my son was to get into secondary school, there was a lot of noise about a secondary school then. It was a new secondary school. You know, powerful educationists were the people that set it up. It was just a few years old. And he went and took the entrance. I had had the name, so yeah, I took him to go and take the entrance. And then he was one of the top two countrywide. Bam! So they gave him a scholarship. Ah, that's nice. I'm not going to pay school fees because school fees are very expensive in Lagos. Who knows it? Who knows it? Oh, very expensive. So I'm not going to pay school fees throughout his secondary school. Very beautiful. Everybody clap for him. Yes. So I now went to see the school. Lovely school. Everything lovely. And I was watching. And I saw. These people are trying to breed snobs. I could see it. They are trying to breed snobs. They think it is very touche. And very nice for children to do anything, anyhow. I could see the way teachers were relating to students, that the teachers were not manifesting an iron hand and would not be able to control the wild excesses that are bound up in teenagers. And when I saw that whole thing, even though I liked the idea of not paying school fees for the next six years, I turned down the scholarship. I turned it down. The only reason I turned it down, I said, these people's vision is at variance with mine. Oh, yes. It's at variance with mine. I was brought up under hard discipline. Say hard. Hard discipline. When my father talked, you quaked. And you stood at attention. Otherwise, you will see stars. Glory be to God. I went before him to case out that joint. I went to check it out. And I said, no, this is not it. This is not it. Amen. I have some relatives. They are the age of my children. And this one, they say yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, they say hi. 
I said, say, sir, come on. Say, sir, what do you mean by high? You and I are high? What high? Where? Stop that nonsense. Glory be to God. God is more interested in your spiritual strength, in your character, in your Christ-likeness, in your victory in life, than in your comfort. You can take that to the bank. You can take it to the bank. He wants Christ formed out of you. Amen? The heat burns out the impurities. Hmm? Don't grudge God when he tells you where not to go. Don't grudge him. Don't grudge him. God is not in everything you do. God does not go before you into places where you should not go. It is not faith when you want to bully God. That is not faith. It's not. You know, there was a car accident in those days and my fiancé's, my daughter's fiancé died in that accident. Another person died. And then a daughter of mine was badly battered, broken, rib, leg, head, everything. And uh, we were all totally shocked because everybody in the car was born again. Everybody in the car was born again. We were shocked. And I went to UCH. That's where the corpses were. And the girl that was badly broken up, that was also my daughter, she was totally broken up. You know, plastered all over. Incidentally, the moment I saw her, I knew she would die. I now made her pray with me a reversal of that death. And we prayed it and we agreed it. So when she died the following day, and uh, singing, there was a lot of singing, and she was rejoicing, she wanted to enter heaven. Jesus just came and pulled something like a curtain and said, you can't enter. So, what happened? Why can't I enter? Jesus now played back that our agreement. Ah, you will live long in the land of the living. I will rejoice. I saw all those things. And so she was not allowed to enter. And she was sent back. Because we agreed that she will continue living here. You understand? So, I didn't see her for a very long time. We now jammed at a, a secondary school that had an event. My children were there. Her own uh, son was also there. With all those cars on her face still there. When we saw each other... We both started laughing, laughing, laughing. We hugged because we knew what we were remembering. Because he said at that time, he said, 
on that delayed my going to heaven. <laughs> Amen. But that's not the point I wanted to make there. The point I wanted to make was this. When I saw those things, I went and sat down with God. I said, Father, what happened? Christians are not to be dying like this, like chicken like this. What happened? You know what God said to me? I did everything I could to stop them from going on that journey. I said, everything you could? He said, yes. When I now went and told them, this is what God said, then their friends began to recount the details of what happened. God had done so many fantastic things to make sure they didn't go on that journey. They refused. In fact, the first one that died was screaming in tongues nonstop from the time they left Ife, the University of Ife. From the time they left Ife, it was screaming in tongues until the impact, and he died on the spot. Speaking in tongues. But it was the same one that stopped them and said, something is wrong. Let's pray. And they all prayed. What was supposed to be the result of their prayer? Here, learn. Don't go. Finish. Not go while speaking in tongues. Don't go. Hmm? Don't go and go while speaking in tongues. Are they the same? So he spoke in tongues till he got to heaven. Yes. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And to hacking than the fat of rats. Take time to seek God's face on the matters concerning you. Should you go or should you not go? Let God lead you. Don't refuse to ask God because you've already made up your mind what you want to do. Hmm. God will not go with you into where he did not send you. Hmm. Amen. You know, when Israel should go into the land, they did not go. They wasted time. God now said, I cancel it. Now you will not go into the wilderness. They said, ah, now you will go. Moses said, don't go. God is not with you this time for going. No, 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 we will go. They went, and what happened? They were given a bloody beating, bloody nose. Amen. Amen. Listen, don't go to, don't go to hell. Don't choose to go to hell. Did you hear me? Don't choose to go to hell. Amen. God is not willing that we go through what we are going through now. The best will of God, there would have been no sin, no sickness, no sorrow, no death. We brought it. There's a redemption plan. Very detailed. God himself, he paid the price. If you're not born again, you're not saved, you're not in Christ. Or, if you had begun to draw back 
unto salvation. Because salvation is not automatic. And it's not permanent. There's a drawing back. He said, for we are not of them that draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe unto the saving of the soul. You'll have the opportunity to give your life to Christ or to return into God your Father, to return into the way of the Son. You have your chance now. Please raise up your hand if you want to give yourself to, uh, life to Christ. Raise up your hand. You want to give your life to Christ. You want to rededicate your life to Christ and come out of the disobedience that you have been in. Please raise up your hand where you are. Raise up your hand. Don't let any devil stop you. Don't let any devil stop you. Amen. Amen. The Lord my God that goeth before me seeking a safe place for me to camp. Lord, let your children have that revelation. Let them have that revelation. Let them have that revelation. Let them walk in that revelation. Thank you, Father, for your goodness, for your mercy. In the name of Jesus. Amen.